You're listening to Jawbreakers. Okay, today I have something special for you. It's not a regular episode. It is just me. I'm trying to fill in some gaps because Alexis and I have completely abandoned any schedule for recording podcasts, which is fine, but it is leaving gaps. So I will fill a one in today for you solo. One thing that you may know about me is that I recently watched Breaking Bad. I watched all of Breaking Bad in eight days. Right before that, I watched four seasons of Orange is the New Black in under a week. This episode's going to contain a lot of spoilers for things that haven't... That would only count as spoilers in, like, 2014. But it's spoilers nonetheless. Today, I'm going to tell you about the surprising coincidences and similarities between Orange is the New Black and Breaking Bad pretty chill environment here today. I'm in my car outside of the Goodwill outlet store because I thought it might be fun to get out of the house to do this because I work from home. Cars are surprisingly good recording booths. I found that out when I was recording Stephanie Meyer Road My Life and I also was working a job where I was a designated driver for drunk people on the wine trail and I drove their cars for them and when they were inside the wineries, usually they were in there for Uh, an hour. It was almost never less than an hour. I got paid hourly to sit in their car and drive them between wineries. It was great. And sometimes I'd record podcasts. Cars are not great if you're actually physically driving, which we know from car casts that Alexis and I did a while back. But here we are today, hopefully with some decent audio. Let's start by doing a quick run over of both of these shows. Orange is the New Black is about Piper Chapman, who is a well-to-do, white, probably upper-middle class. If there's such thing as a lower upper class, that's where she's at. She's marrying a man who's very annoying soon, and she she's named in a court case that involves drug trafficking, international drug trafficking, and she has to serve some time in prison. So she self-surrenders and goes to prison. It's based off of an actual book by a woman named Piper Kerman by the same title. I think that the show is very good, but the title is bad. And I feel like the title would be better if it wasn't based on this book. But that's also where it comes from. So we'll take our losses. Piper goes to prison and quickly finds out that prison is not everything that she imagined it would be before going there. And she thought that she would be able to live a normal life after she gets out of prison. It becomes clear really fast that she's not going to be able to do that. She thought she'd be able to, like, maintain her business with her friend while she was in prison. That doesn't happen. It's a really, really good show as far as storytelling goes. There's a lot of really thoughtful storytelling elements in it. I like it a lot for that reason. Basically, the show goes through the day-to-day drama that the prisoners are facing, including anything as light as, you know, making shoes out of pads to anything as dark as, like, murder, grooming, etc., that you find out about in the prison. It has a really big range as far as that is concerned. It is, um, so that's the one part is the prison drama. 
and the other part of the show is the backstories of all the prisoners and really like humanizing all of these prisoners that are in there with Piper and also just humanizing them for the audience of America because America has a huge prison population and also a lot of ideas about inmates and crime and good and evil that really need to be broken down. Piper, while she's in prison, meets up with Alex Voss, who is the woman who she used to date when she was doing the international drug drug trafficking and the one responsible for her currently being in prison. There's a lot of antics surrounding Alex. We also have Nikki, the um, the recovering heroin addict. We have Red, the cook. We have um, Mendoza, the cook later. We have the Diaz mom and daughter duo, plus all sorts of outside stuff relating to, like, custody. And um, we've also got the stories about Pousset and her coming out stuff and her well-to-do parents. We've got Tasty and her whole upbringing. I can't even name all of the characters, and they they have so many rich, rich characters that uh, it's hard to really pin them all down. There's a lot of plots about abuse in the prison. It's really hard to summarize Orange is the New Black on one plot line because there's so many side things happening, and I'm not going to explain every single plot line, but there's some contention between the inmates and the warden and basically Caputo the warden is a friend of the inmates but is he really in like where do budget cuts and like power and control all play into the quality of life of the inmates all of that it leads up to and the reason there's a reason that there's like an unofficial finale before the show actually ends the show it was really good at balancing out like being digestible with also showing really hard to tell stories of violence against all different types of people. Inmates are flawed people like anyone else. It was a watchable show right up until the point where a lot of people dropped off and never finished watching it. The inmates are struggling with the fact that the prison has become privatized which means there are budget cuts that make their quality of life much worse, including overcrowding and bad food and just general dynamics with the guards who are now trained differently or not trained at all. So there's a lot of plot moving forward in this direction of like increasing contention between the inmates and the guards. Pousset is one of the most important characters in the show and one of the most likable people in the show. She's played by Samira Wiley, she decides after Judy King, the celebrity chef, ends up in the prison and offers her a job outside of prison, she decides to start focusing on what she's going to be outside of prison because she realizes that she's gotten really, she, she's got a lot of tunnel vision about what happens day to day in the prison. She doesn't want to deal with it anymore. Meanwhile, her girlfriend, Brooke, is, is in there as a protester, always wants to protest everything. They decide that they are all all the different racial groups are going to get together. The prison's divided by race. And they're all going to get together and they're going to stand up to this one mega douche guard named Piscatella. And this is right after Brooke 
and Poussey have a conversation where Poussey is like, I don't want to protest or strike or do whatever it is you're saying because I'd rather just not rock the boat. But they all decide to get up on the tables and stand up to these guards. Poussey makes this like look at, across the room at Brooke like we're doing the right thing. And it feels like the inmates are actually going to get somewhere because all they're asking is for Piscatella to step down. They know they don't have a lot of power to do a lot of change but all they're asking for is for Piscatella to step down because he is violent and brutal and horrible. Piscatella tells all the guards to break out riot gear and detain absolutely everybody in there. It's a it's an impossible task because there are way more inmates than there are guards. And this one guard, Bailey, who they call Gerber because he's very young and he's kind of just like an idiot local kid. He's charming, but he has no business working in a prison, and he was not trained well. Bailey ends up trying to detain Poussey while she's laying on the ground. And this other character, Suzanne, who's called Crazy Eyes, is triggered by Piscatella because of a recent fight, and she starts freaking out, and she is trying to hit Bailey. Long story short, oh my god. This child is making a music video on the bumper of her mom's car in the Goodwill. <laughs> she was like, hey, she had the front-facing camera on. She was doing a TikTok dance. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Um. Anyways, so Piscatella's a dick, right? And and he triggers this whole riot. Long story short, Bailey fucking chokes Poussey to death. He has his knee on her neck, and it is horrific. And there's absolutely no way for the show to go on after that because it was not only heartbreaking but it derailed the plot of the show because you can't care about anything else after that happens that is it is life ruining in the moment i'm sure but also like plot ruining for the show it's it you can't move on from that and then they do an entire season where it's just the riot that takes place after a guard kills Poussey and then a, an inmate kills a guard where the they take all the guards as hostages. Like, it is... I am just in shock. They did, they did the whole season of a three-day span, which if you've heard me talk about How I Met Your Mother, which you can do on our Bro Code podcast, no one's pulled it off ever. Don't do it. No one's ever pulled it off. Do not make an entire season out of, like, three days. That is not why I watch television. To watch it in real time? No, I don't want that. No one wants TV that's produced that way. So that show, When the Trash, unofficial finale is Pusey's death. That's the, the long and short of it. Great show, though. Okay, then, Breaking Bad. Let's see if I can get through this one a little bit faster. Breaking Bad is about Walter White, who is a high school chemistry teacher. He is diagnosed with cancer, and he does not want to let anyone help him. He doesn't even want to get chemo. He doesn't want to get surgery at first. He refuses money from everybody because he has serious control issues. He resolves this by recruiting slash blackmailing his former student, Jesse Pinkman, into cooking meth with him. This way, he can make a bunch of money making meth. He accidentally drastically improves the quality of meth in the New Mexico area because most people cooking meth are not high quality chemists. I don't know what he was thinking because when 
you start selling drugs, you're going to step on someone else's territory, and he gets in a lot of trouble. I also don't know why you would start selling drugs without any sort of outside connections, or inside connections, rather, in fucking New Mexico, of all places. But you know what? So Breaking Bad follows the adventures of Jesse and Walter, while Walter is evil the entire time and progresses further and further into becoming so unhinged that there's no way he can recover from it. There's a lot of drama surrounding his family, so slowly his wife Skylar figures out what he's up to until eventually she is helping him launder money. She, uh, you know, she has to have a lot of moral conversations with herself about what it means to break the law and to support your family. But after a short period of Skylar's consensual relationship into the meth world, it becomes more like she's a hostage. And Jesse is also feeling a similar way. He tries to get out of the meth game multiple times. He is a very sensitive young lad who is repeatedly broken down almost always, maybe always, always, because of something Walter White does or needs. So Walter's very okay taking human life, including it's revealed partway through the show that he's even okay with taking the lives of people that he sort of knows when he lets Jane die, even though that's Jesse's one reason for living, is that relationship. Every time it looks like he's doing something to protect somebody, there's also this like really great benefit to him, whatever it is, even if it's dark. So it's really kind of annoying because he's constantly doing this thing where he's like trying, he, Walter White is always trying to prove that he's doing stuff for the good of his family or to protect Jesse or whatever XYZ, but there's always human life lost. That's just people he doesn't know. They, it always allows him to take complete control. Just so you know, just putting it out there, if you still think Walter White is some great anti-hero after watching the entire show, I am not interested in being friends with you. Please notify me if we're friends and this is the case. Walter ends up, via his eccentric lawyer Saul Goodman, making a connection to a local kingpin who runs his business out of a chain of chicken shops called Los Pollos Hermanos. Now Walter's really, really in it. The cartel and um, Gus of the chicken shop are at odds, but they're also in alliance. There's a lot of politics about it. And Walter is definitely a pawn of Gus's right up until Walter kills Gus. Walter kills the P.I. character that works for both Gus and Saul. Walter would have killed Saul if he had to. And then in the last season, he um, kills everybody else. He puts a hit out on Jesse. He calls in backup when he's being arrested. He calls him backup and allows them to kill Hank, his DEA brother-in-law. Skylar lives somehow, so good for her. And... Yeah, so, and then in the very last episode, Walter White dies. I knew that in advance. I would have stopped watching the show in season two had I thought he lived. This watch, back-to-back of these two shows, made me realize a lot of similarities, including some that are not thematical and are just little coincidental tidbits. Number one that I noticed, Skylar White is pregnant for the whole first season of the show of Breaking Bad. Um, There's also a character, Daya Diaz, in Orange is the New Black, who is pregnant, and in both of these shows, I was just, like, wondering a lot about how much stress a pregnant person can take. 
and both of these characters are under a great deal of stress. Dai, of course, is in prison and can't have, like, she has all of the same restrictions as any other inmate, and, like, even though she's pregnant and, like, the beds still suck, and she can't really get, like, the snacks that she would want or the medicinal stuff that she would need. And so it's it's an abnormal, not fun, very bad pregnancy. But she does what she can with that and delivers a healthy child eventually, and it's cool. We don't want to talk about what happens after the delivery. But um, anyways, Daya's pregnant, and there's this one scene where she's just really stressed about shit that's happening in the prison, and she sits down behind a dumpster, and Mendoza's back there, and she asks Mendoza for a cigarette, and she smokes it. And I kind of laughed to myself when I saw that, because I was like, yeah, I mean, I wonder how often that actually happens. Like, people really do maybe have a cigarette. Like, one cigarette, I'm not saying go do this, but one cigarette probably doesn't hurt a kid that much people used to smoke through their entire pregnancies it's definitely better to not smoke when you're pregnant but one cigarette when you're living in a prison it seemed i'll forgive it personally i'm not i'm not been out of shape about it but then <laughs> freaking skylar and breaking bad has to deal with all of walter white's just incessant lying and she also gets a pack of cigarettes and smokes like three of them and i was like damn how come both <laughs> I was like are there any pregnant people who don't smoke because <laughs> in my sample size of two all the pregnant people have sneak a cigarette at least once um so that was a, a funny thing just stressful pregnancy stuff god there were so many more a more obvious thematical thing that ha- these two shows have in common is humanizing drug addicts sort of similar to inmates I think in our country it's easy to write people off as villains or criminals when they are probably going through something else. So both shows, I think, show pretty well how, specifically with Jesse Pinkman, how somebody goes from being just a typical kid to becoming a meth addict. And in order the New Black, you get the whole backstory of Nikki, where she's got this heroin addiction, where she's trying... I mean, in both cases, it's people who are trying to, like, heal their own pain and, like, self-medicate their emotional distress. And in Jesse's case, it's like, we know that he witnesses murders and horrifying things that make it so painful to be sober that it's easier for him to get high. People talk a lot about the transformation of Walter White throughout the show. I think he does transform... But not, I thought, I always thought that his arc was that he got more evil, but I think he actually only revealed how deep his evil was because he commits murder in the first episode. I'm not taking that. He's so desensitized to extreme violence when he totally shouldn't be from the start. Jesse, however, is like an amazing transformation from somebody who thinks there might still be hope and like kind of uses drugs in a party sense to somebody who sees the worst cases of destruction that come out of the illegal drug market. Yeah, both characters, Nikki and and Jesse, both deal with like going through periods of sobriety where they're proud of themselves, but then they end up going back to self-destructive ways. Anyways, I think it's a really, they both are really good shows for that kind of storyline. Another really, really important storyline in Orange is the New Black is Tiffany Doggett's story where she gets really into meth. She's from a rural community that 
is low educated and she kind of just ends up being like a repeat rape victim because of the way that the world works around her and the area she lives in and the way that people treat her and her family because of her class. And um, she ends up turning to drugs because of that. And that's another story of like, she really didn't, there wasn't another path available to her. And she was really trying to cope with like emotional distress. So that was another really like poignant story in Orange is the New Black about drug addiction and a person who isn't necessarily just like easy to write off, not very two dimensional. She's got a lot going on. A surprising one for me, surprising similarity for these two shows is that both Walter White and Piper Chapman, the main characters of both of these shows, are white people who, when they're put in a corner, benefit from white nationalism. In Orange is a New Black, Piper goes in pretty liberal. You know, she's like bisexual. I think they sell, she and her friends sell soaps. You know, she's just like, oh, you know, white liberal lady. Certainly not attending any clan rallies, you know. Probably has the same amount of innate racism that any white person has, so you'd think. And then when she gets put in a situation where she feels like her little prison side business is being threatened by a group of Hispanic girls, she ends up teaming up with Nazis in the prison. And it's not exactly her first choice but she doesn't do a lot to stop it once it starts happening it's not until they literally until other people literally put a swastika brand a swastika onto her that she's like oh shit this has gone too far until then i mean she was uncomfortable a little bit she wasn't like shouting the the white pride stuff in the prison but all the white pride girlies were right behind her, backing her up, doing whatever, and she was okay with using that. I'm again not saying that she necessarily wanted to, but it's also pretty shitty and an option that is only available to white people. I know that she was trying to protect herself in the prison, and that's why she did it. I didn't realize that there might be a part of white privilege that is benefiting from Nazis when you need them. That's insane. Even for a liberal white girl, that's insane. But then, in Breaking Bad, Walter White is up against a few people, the cartel, Gus's operation, and when Gus's operation blows up, there's a bunch of guys in prison who were moving drugs who get arrested, and they all need need to be silenced, according to Walter, and he puts out a hit on all of them. And the only people who will do it for him, who will kill a bunch of guys in prison simultaneously, a bunch of mostly non-white if there were any white guys in this lineup of eight people that he killed in prison, the only people willing to do that who had the connections were the fucking Nazis. Walter White teams up with Nazis. It's late game, I understand. So it was the same with Piper. For protection, Walter White did have the option to team up with Nazis. Actual, honest to God, white supremacists. Both of these groups of Nazis, by the way, have one person who has a swastika tattooed on their neck. So, I have never seen a white, like a, I don't think I've actually physically laid eyes on an actual white supremacist Nazi that was like making it obvious like these people do. But after watching these two shows back to back, I have reason to believe that they would seek me out if I became criminally involved. Once again, sample size of two, it's 100%. That one surprised me. 
Um, let's see what else. One huge difference between these two shows is the amount of gay characters, in that pretty much everybody on Orange is the New Black is at least a little bit gay, at least in theory, or they're accepted enough by gay people that <laughs> they all, they've all seen it, they all know about it, a including like a trans character, one of the f most forefront trans people of the last 20 years, Laverne Cox. Laverne Cox was the first trans person on the cover of Time magazine, and that was in 2014, and I saw her g talk about when Elliot Page was on the cover of Time magazine later, which I think was 2021, and how people were really excited about Elliot Page, and how she got a lot of, a lot of backlash while she was on the cover, but it's partly because of Orange is the New Black that she came to fame enough to be able to be such a trailblazer in that way. And she also, in that interview I saw about Elliot Page, she was like, I don't fault Elliot or really anyone else for the positive outlook that he is getting because, you know, Laverne was the first and um, she should be sort of commended for the amount of like bravery and just like thick skin that is required for that role. Breaking Bad doesn't really have any gay people. There is one person who's gay, canonically, who I am not going to name because it's come to my attention that a lot of people aren't caught up on Better Call Saul. So I'll leave that one alone. But most everybody is straight and then some, including a lot of straight tropes about not communicating well. Occasionally, when there are montages of drug sales, they will show a trans woman or a sex worker who is trans or in drag unclear because they never have lines side note i just watched risky business for the first time with tom cruise from the early 80s i knew that it was like a staple but it kind of like makes me uncomfortable thinking about it and then i watched it and i was like oh this is a really uncomfortable movie and i don't really know how i feel about it but anyways there's a main character in that movie who is a trans woman who they do not say anything derogatory to which surprised the shit out of me because it was 1983 but the derogatory aspect is that this this character is played by a man uh which is an that's a no-go to just say that trans women are men in wigs which is the subtext of that but it was a surprise nonetheless to see this portrayal um so anyways yeah breaking bad it's a it's a non-starter in the gay category both shows breaking bad and orange is the new black are unbelievably products of their time which i appreciate about both of them breaking bad i don't think would get made today it's a good show but it's got a lot of like pretty problematic tropes and um it's a really good show it's got good storytelling a friend of mine pointed out that particularly the hank character the dea character probably wouldn't be able to exist in 2022 it's really hard to say like post me Too, post george floyd protests what kind of stuff would be on television just because people are trying harder to not just cast white stories and stories about domestic men who commit domestic violence you know but it still exists in like a cool little time capsule of what a part of this country looks like orange is the new black was particularly groundbreaking for like non-white portrayals of characters who aren't just caricatures and also queer stories and women's stories in general as well as of course inmate stories 
but you know all of that put together made Orange is the New Black really groundbreaking in ways that it it wouldn't have to be in 2022 they wouldn't have to I feel like there's a lot of stuff I learned for the first time from Orange is the New Black about like menstruation and and sex and gay stuff that I learned for the first time from that show that I don't think I would need a Netflix show to show me if I was 19 in 2022 instead yeah so if you like one of these shows I guess I'd recommend the other to you probably you've already seen them if you're gonna see them but I just watched Breaking Bad for the first time so it's not too late for you if you haven't done it Orange is the New Black I didn't think I'd ever rewatch it I really just got curious. I thought maybe I'd learn something different, and all I did was have a refreshment of all of the information I got the first time. It's a really dark show, and I actually physically could not watch it past that one episode, which I did the first time. I think I came close to finishing it the first time. Breaking Bad, really hate Walter White, love Jesse Pinkman, love Skylar and Marie. Both of these shows give people who trust authority and opportunity to reconsider that the prison guards in orange is the new black are disgusting and criminal in themselves and it's like oh wow who's the real criminals here the inmates in the show make a lot of jokes about how like they're too low-level criminals to be out of jail or you know like they can't go into business once they get out because they're not good enough criminals just implying that like there's a lot a lot a lot of like white collar crime that goes pretty much unchecked because that's how the country is run there's a lot of money motivation in that show as well as far as like running the prison and the character of natalie figueroa whose husband is a senator and she's like embezzling money from the prison while she's a warden a lot of stuff like that that's like hmm maybe the systems running it are not that great and like the cops are you know busting in when there's kids on the floor without a second glance like all kinds of stuff there's a guard called Pornstash portrayed in the first and second seasons of Orange is the New Black who is a rapist, a drug dealer, and a murderer. And he's not in prison until a bunch of inmates have to work together to conspire against him to get him framed for a crime, a different crime, because they can't prove that he's a rapist, murderer, drug dealer. And that's what ta- that's what it takes to get him put away. But he's in charge of criminals before that somehow, so cool. If you know any COs or POs in your real life, you can also imagine that they may be committing some of these crimes. In Breaking Bad, it's a little bit less obvious, the questioning of law enforcement and authority, because you do, even though Hank is an asshole, he's kind of lovable and fatherly. Like, he's got things that the general public would find redeeming about him and he seems like he wants to do the right thing more than some of the other cops even though he's prone to using racial slurs the difference is that hank uses racial bias he never talks about it but he uses it all the time it is obvious right off the bat when Walter White starts cooking meth, a bunch of chemistry equipment goes missing from his lab that he's the main one who has access to. He's the chemistry teacher. It's like part of his classroom. A bunch of lab equipment goes missing because Walter White and Jesse Pinkman were cooking meth with it. And Hank is is Walt's brother-in-law, comes into the lab and is like, hey, Walt, um, I got to investigate this, these missing things, these missing beakers and 
burners and whatever, he never truly suspects Walt. And it's not just because he's his brother-in-law, because if Skylar had married a black man or a Mexican man, I do think that Hank would be looking at him more closely, even if they were related. It's close to proven when the janitor gets arrested instead. The janitor's the only person who had a set of keys to that lab who has any reason to even be kind of looked into, but the reason is that he had, like, a light drug charge. He was caught with a joint or something, and then the whole school freaks out. Like, how did this guy get passed a background test and all this? And it's like, well... Um, he did have a, a record, but he's not the person who did it. The person who did it passed a background test, too, and it's because he's Walter White, and he doesn't have any record for anything. Like, you're telling me, like, even if Walter White had been carrying a joint at some point and got caught, it's very possible that the cops would just throw that shit away and he wouldn't have a record. There's stuff like that you kind of have to read into it where you're, you have to be, like, thinking past what the people in the show are actually saying but there's a lot about thinking about who's actually a criminal in this show and who is just somebody caught in the system versus who's a criminal who wasn't caught by the system there's so many opportunities where if hank had been actually paying attention to walt as a possible suspect which he could have and should have been doing. He was obsessed with this Heisenberg case and was paranoid about everybody and didn't suspect Walt, like, ever. And, yes, it's familial bias. I'm not saying it's not, but it's. I think it's also definitely racial bias because right, literally one of our introductions to Hank... I think it's actually the pilot, is when... Um, him and his partner are putting bets on if the drug dealer inside the house they're busting is going to be Mexican or not. It's something that, it's a way that Hank operates when he's solving crime, is to not really assume anybody's white. And so, like, okay, so you're telling me that Hank is the one with the biggest heart out of all the DEA? He's the one who walks away from the, the crime scene where there's a head strapped to a turtle? Like, he's the only person who survives because he walks away from it because he's grossed out. And then everybody else is probably just as racist as him or more. And on top of that, enjoys violence. Like, what the fuck? It's so gross. So, um, yeah, you kind of have to read into the DEA stuff with Breaking Bad. But it's also still there if you want to find it that, you know, maybe authority shouldn't be blindly trusted. As far as the Bechdel test is concerned... Orange is the New Black obviously passes with flying colors. Breaking Bad, not so much. I think it rarely passes the Bechdel test. It probably only passes the Bechdel test because it's, what, five, six seasons long? And they were given a lot of opportunities to let somebody talk to somebody else. But that's probably the only reason. I also do not understand why no one addresses the fact that Walter White is a rapist. We all talk about him being a murderer. He literally rapes his wife. And I feel like, especially at the time this was made, which I know wasn't that long ago, but obviously conversations about sex and consent have evolved quite a bit in the past 10 years. At the time this was made, I feel like it wasn't obvious to people that marital rape... I mean, that's like a conversation that feminists have been trying to push forward for a while, is that marital rape is a real thing. And just because you're married to somebody doesn't mean that you can have sex with them whenever you want. So... I'm a little bit disappointed that people don't acknowledge the fact that Walter White is, like, a deranged rapist as well. But 
as long as you know i've put i've put my voice out there so just you, you know remember that he's really bad guy piper also bad it's pretty chilly in this car now that i've been here for a while and i appreciate you listening if you did so cool thanks let me know if you have any other thoughts or anything. I'm sure there's stuff I missed. I didn't research ahead of time, but it's cool. I would love to hear from you. It's network at gmail.com, or you can DM us on Instagram or Twitter. Also become a patron, patreon.com slash Nurmer Goodbye. Mm-hmm.